Welcome to Midi the Podcast, a modern day podcast designed to answer all of your weird and wonderful pregnancy and postpartum questions. I'm your host, Monique Maitland, qualified midwife and nurse, founder of the Midi Society, and someone who is about to become your personal in-pocket midwife and virtual best friend. The Midi Society is a community-based platform where we interview leading healthcare professionals, new mummers and everyday people who share with us their experiences and reveal what they wish they knew before becoming a parent. So buckle up for this crazy and exciting ride. I'll be talking all things tits, bits, spew and poo. Alright, let's get started. On today's episode, I speak with first-time parents Nicola and Connor about their frightening experience of bringing baby Scarlett into the world. After noticing that Scarlett's movement patterns had decreased, Nicola followed her maternal instinct and went straight to the hospital to be monitored, ultimately saving her and her baby's life. Soon after, she found herself in an operating theatre delivering her premature baby who would then be transferred out to a tertiary hospital. With a debilitating post-op complication, Nicola wasn't able to see her baby and instead, Connor had no choice but to take on the heavy load of caring for both his wife and his newborn daughter. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce Nicola and Connor to talk about the best and worst week of their lives. Today's episode is proudly brought to you by Training With Mates, your local supportive fitness community that strengthens health, performance and lifestyle goals through expert coaching, fun and mateship. Exercising whilst pregnant can be a little bit daunting with most of us not knowing what we actually can and can't do. But with Training With Mates active mum classes, personalised programs and extensive knowledge about safe exercise in pregnancy, they can help you best navigate staying fit and healthy during pregnancy and in the postpartum period. Welcome Nicola. Hi. And Connor. Hello. <laughs> How are you guys going? Yeah, good, good. Just a disclaimer, you may hear a little bit of a child in the background here and there, but we're good. It may be um, Connor crying, not the baby. <laughs> Possible. <laughs> Blame, blames it on the baby. <laughs> so I just want to ask, besides incredible parents, who are you today? Yes, so um, I'm Nicola. I'm originally from Ireland um, and I'm a speech pathologist. I've been living in Melbourne now for over eight years. Yeah, I'm Connor. I'm from Liverpool and England originally. I work in tech sales and I've been in Australia for about five years now. So we've just we've just got these foreigners in our country and that's pretty much it. <laughs> we got in before the board was shut last year. <laughs> and you didn't bring the coronavirus, no. right? <laughs> um, amazing. You guys have been home for four weeks now with little Scarlett, is that right? We have been home, I think it's three weeks on Monday. Three weeks Monday, yeah. Yeah, three three weeks Monday we, we have been home and Scarlett will be five weeks tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Three weeks. Yeah. How's it gone? It's it's uh, It's been a bit of a roller coaster. It's been a bit up and down, I think, when she we, – we were really impressed in the hospital. She was – so well behaved and not that she's not now but she really found her lungs when we when we got home and I think that's when the reflux started and 
Um, yeah. She didn't like to lie down on her back or go for naps. So um, <laughs> the first week was definitely challenging, but we've got to know her better and she's got to know us better. Yeah. And I think we're, we're getting to a better stage now. You do a lot of learning yeah, and when you in the first few weeks. I think uh, I've never Googled so many things in my life in the first few weeks. <laughs> Exactly. But, you know, you guys were in such a routine at hospital that you have to get into a new routine at home and that's also a whole other ball game. But yes. it looks like you guys are doing the right thing. You know, you've managed to <laughs> block out a bit of time to come on this and, <laughs> you know, no one no one can see Connor right now but he is actually wearing a female's headband. <laughs> yep. So I think the delusion has hit, but that's okay. <laughs> Thanks, Mon. Appreciate you putting that one out. <laughs> um, I've already given a little brief snapshot of what's happened. I've also got my tissues yeah, ready. Yeah, no, I probably I'll just use my dress and go in. <laughs> so I've so got um, I've got my water and my tissues ready to go. But Nicola, run us through your antenatal experience. So how was how was your pregnancy basically? Yeah, look, I had a really pretty much straightforward pregnancy. Um, apart from in the first trimester, I had a little bit a bit of bleeding, um, which was just a, it was a hematoma, which apparently happens in twenty five percent of pregnancies. It can be really common, um, but had no issues with that. Um, yeah, it was considered low risk. Um, always, my blood pressure was always good. Never had any issues, um, so they were, they were happy with me. Um, yeah, it was. I actually quite enjoyed being pregnant. Maybe I shouldn't say <laughs> that because um, I know it's not yeah, easy for a lot people of people. People will come and hunt you. Yeah, <laughs> people will come and hunt you down. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, um, I, had, I had no real issues. You were a low risk. Mm. And planned pregnancy, unplanned pregnancy? Yes, planned. Myself and Connor got married in 2019 and both from big families and keen to. Um, yeah, keen to have our own family, extend our own family. And I guess with the COVID kind of put maybe a, a bit of a curveball there because you get that, should we, shouldn't we? But um, yeah. it didn't look like it was going away anytime soon and we didn't want to put our life on hold either. So, um, yeah, we were we were very, very excited when we found out that we were expecting. Jumped on the baby boom, the COVID baby boom. Yeah, made it. my life a little bit harder, hey? <laughs> um, and <laughs> that's it. Um, a little, you know, working us a little bit too hard. But anyway, that's fine. Not as hard as you guys working right now. Um, but you took the public option versus private. Yeah. And how did you find that system during yeah. the pandemic? Um, it was it was good. So I actually had shared care because I had a good relationship with my GP and had seen her for a number of uh, or for quite a while. Um, and because it was during the pandemic as well, I felt like at least that was local and I could go and see her if I did need that face to face care. Um, but, um, you know, I had phone consultations with the midwives um, through the public system and I did actually see the obstetrician as well because I had that early bleeding um, so I felt like I had a really good level of care you know I'd always heard that Victoria particularly had a fantastic public system and you know I can't say I've experienced anything different you know it was really yeah. first class um, care. Well that's amazing and yeah shared care definitely during the pandemic is something that 
I recommend. I mean, it's easing off now, but yeah. just getting that face-to-face continuity when in a time when you're not seeing a lot of people mm. is probably for you would have been so important. Mm. Um, and then so everything was low risk and then some sort of event happened. Yeah, which the fun starts. You, <laughs> if you want to explain sort of why you found yourself going to hospital, like how many weeks were you, what was going on? Yeah, so I was 34 weeks and six days. It was a weekend. It was a Saturday. And I had been pretty busy coming up to it. It was a busy day. I'd met friends for brunch in the city. And it got to the evening. And I was talking to my mom on the phone. And it just kind of hit me that I hadn't felt her move much um, that day. Um, I had felt her at different parts. But um, Scarlett was a really, really active baby all the time I could always feel her um and so when I got off the phone I I did the usual you have something cold and sweet and I lay on my side and didn't no movement sat there for 20 minutes half an hour no movement even tried um like gentle touch and usually she would react to that um I have lots of videos of me touching my belly and then getting a a boot um coming out the side but um, there was nothing, so I thought, right, well, I'm going to call. I, I said it to Connor, and Connor was like, call the hospital. You know, he supported me every step. He didn't try to talk me down. Oh, I'm sure it's fine. So we called anyway, and they said to come down. And we we went down, uh, both of us very quiet in the car, <laughs> um, and got in there. They hooked us up to the monitor, and... Uh, as soon as I heard the heartbeat, I was thought, oh, we're fine. Oh, I was probably just overreacting. Yeah. Um, and they kept the monitor on anyway for a while. And they were coming yeah. in and out and checking it. And How was, long had the her movements been reduced for? I want to say for the most of that day. I remember doing the food shop at probably somewhere around tea time, like 6 o'clock. And I felt a very slow movement not the standard like kick 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 um yeah but I hadn't really felt anything since that and when I went down it was probably about nine I think it was nine thirty when we got to the hospital that that evening um so it was it was the most of that day uh that I that she had been quieter there was gentle movements but not much um Yeah. yeah so you went and got monitored now checking on the monitor yeah, and they were coming in and out, and like their faces were concerned. And it's asking if you were having pain contractions yeah. as well, and not not. Have, have I had bleeding? Have I had pain? Any pain? Had, no, yeah. nothing. I had nothing that day. It was just your standard day. So, and um, was that the first time you had ever been monitored? Like you, yes. given that you've been, yeah, you would have been like, what? What even is this machine that's on me monitoring the baby's heart rate? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was, look. to be honest, looking at the heart rate, I didn't know any of the other parameters that they check for. And I think those yeah. were the ones that were um, causing concern for, for the professionals that night. So, yeah, probably about 45 minutes after being there, be, monitoring, the doctor comes in and says, we've called in all of the emergency staff and we're going to take you in. Your baby's going to be born tonight. Um, at which point wow. myself and... Connor, I think I just went into shutdown mode. I was like, 
this is not happening. Like, this is not real. And Had someone explained what they thought was going on when they were coming in and out? Or I know that speaking on a midwife's behalf, like, we're always like, it's all, like, it's all right and we're not going to say something unless mm. we have to. Yeah. Because like you said, people come in and they do just listen to the heart rate and then they go, oh, phew. But for us, we're looking at so many other factors like which I'm not even going to say on here because it's irrelevant, but basically what the, what the monitor looks like um, tells us our next course of action. So baby's heart rate can be in the normal range, but everything else can be out of the range. Yeah. So were they updating you? And, Connor, you were there at this point? Yeah, well, I was there. Look, there wasn't so much of an update until – I don't think they wanted to alarm us. Mm. They wanted to play with time, yeah. I think, and monitor. And then they did come in and said, look, we, we do think that we're potentially going to have to deliver tonight. We think baby's in distress. And mm. um, they were really good mm. at explaining each step. Each yeah. person came in from the team and it was yeah. really clear what was going to happen. So I think oh. I think they did it. We, we were quite comfortable in the well, I was. I don't know about yeah. you, the mum. Ask the mum. <laughs> Classic dad. <laughs> I, I you know, I, I felt I felt fine. <laughs> I, no, well, they they the staff were fantastic, and as Connor said, each one did come in. You know, the anaesthetists and uh, the pediatrician come in, the obstetrician. Um, they all come in and explained their part one by one. I think it was just I was still trying to deal with the shock. Yeah. That yeah. at you, at thirty four, thirty like technically thirty five weeks once it went past midnight that I was going to, like the baby was going to be here. Mm. So, But still, that's like five weeks earlier than, you know, or three weeks earlier than you assumed. You wouldn't, did you have your hospital bag? No, no probably not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not I, at all. I was expecting an overdue baby because all of Connor. First time mum. Yeah, 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 and his siblings were all over overdue. None of my mum, my, none of my siblings came early or my nieces or nephews. Like there was, I was expecting this was going to be, you know, a 41 weeker. Yeah. Not five weeks early. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sometimes the biggest shock. It's like, well, I've, I've just come in and I'm hoping that everything's fine. Mm. You're not expecting anyone to be like, all right, time to have this baby. Mm, Yeah. 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 And that's a whole, a lot of emotion to process. Yeah. in a short period of time too mm. and then to then have a baby it's even mm. more yeah. so yeah what was going through your mind I just uh, yeah I was just in such shock that I was just trying to really stay in the moment I think like Connor was like it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay he was so together and I was like just trying not to fall apart um you know I was asking probably what were stupid questions like can you not induce me? And they're like, no, like it, the baby needs to come out now. Um, so I suppose all so they of, told you mm, you need to have an emergency cesarean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. That's the only option. The only option because mm. time was of the essence. Like I think it probably would have happened quicker. Only it was, you know, late on a Saturday evening and they had to get all of the staff in. Um, there wasn't even time to transfer me to, to have you know yeah. to have the procedure there um yeah. at, the, at the other hospital so um it was yeah uh it was just a bit of a shock it was just trying to come to terms with what was going to happen uh, at each step and I guess also you know a lot of people have 
not that I had <laughs> had put together my birth plan yet, but I had ideas about <laughs> what I wanted my birth to look like. And this was the furthest thing from it. So, um, yeah, it was just a lot of shock. Yeah. So you've just processed that you're going to have to have baby Scarlett. You go down to the operating, operating theatre, which is quite daunting itself. Mm-hmm. They give you a spinal spinal yes yeah they gave you a spinal um given that it was time of the essence and had they said anything that they thought might have been happening or it was just baby wasn't looking happy we need to get bubs out i I can distinctly remember the doctor or whoever was the, the person we'd initially spoken with he he just said baby's in distress we don't know what's causing it at this point but we just know that we need to get the baby out and I think that's where we were like, okay, yeah, let's, let's do what's got to be done. Yeah, I think at that point yeah. they didn't know until uh, I was opened up, <laughs> yeah. for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, <laughs> they didn't know what what really was the cause. Yeah, and you guys don't have family in Melbourne, do you? No, um, the only family we have in Australia, my brother is in, lives in Gold Coast with his family. Um, I've got a cousin in Sydney, but no, no one here, no, no. family. So you've sort of just going to get thrown into an operating theatre. <laughs> Connor can't contact anyone to get anything organised for you guys yeah. and it's probably go, go, go straight away. Yeah. Um, and that's the least of your concerns is all of those things. Yeah. Um, so then you go into the theatre, you have your emergency Caesar and they discover that you actually had a placental abruption, oh, yes. correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So at that point, did they explain what it was? Did you Had you heard of it? Did you know any of this? I, I mean, you wouldn't have even been thinking of it. You just no. would want to be waiting to hear Scarlett's voice and they probably told you once she was born that this is what we found. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so I, I did know what a placental abruption was, Um was just from the reading you do when you're pregnant but also my sister had a baby three weeks before Scarlett was born um, and she had a suspected placental abruption because she had bleeding but oh. she didn't actually end up having a placental abruption that was me and I didn't and you just took all, <laughs> you took all the fame I took, um, I for everyone listening the placental abruption for those who don't know it means when the placenta which is obviously your like oxygen delivery to the baby the nutrients all of that an organ designed to keep the baby alive it starts to pull away from the uterus and then coming with that decrease oxygen decrease nutrients and then babies get a little bit upset not a little bit a lot upset <laughs> um and then so in the cesarean you're probably thinking a hundred different things mm. but little scarlet's born and you know they obviously would have said that premature babies sometimes might need a little bit of support and i'm sure the support there was incredible but what like what was actually going through your head because so many people will find themselves in this position and it's a frightening experience i know as a midwife even when you're in the room for an emergency cesarean let alone yeah. let alone a premature one you're you sort of you're hoping not to assume the worst but you're prepared for anything to happen mm. yeah it was look it was pretty traumatic because i guess everything happening so quick and i just remember I think it was the pediatrician was holding the baby up because we didn't know um, if it was going to be if Scarlett was going to be a girl or a boy, um, and she was holding up. She's like, "Oh, look what 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 you know? Is it a girl? Is it a boy?" And uh, you know, we're both of us are in shock. We're just looking and we're 
we're trying to figure it out because you're your brain. Where has this baby come from? (laughs) But I guess the image I have in my head is that she's not moving and and she's not responsive. And I can hear the doctor saying, come on, baby, come on, baby. And then all I hear is the alarm going, uh, you know, code blue. Code blue. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's when the shock is worse. And so she's pulled away. And all the staff come running in past you. You can just kind of see the shadows passing you. And Connor's just like, it's okay, it's okay, it'll be okay. It's funny, yeah, because I, I, I don't know whether it's just your mindset, but I, I knew, I kind of knew things were going to be okay somewhere deep inside. Um, so I think my responsibility there was trying to calm Nick or yeah. keep Nick calm, who was doing a great job anyway. I, I wouldn't fancy having myself cut open at midnight, so... Uh, excuse the language of cut open but yeah look I, I just knew everyone was going to be okay for some reason and it was just making sure Nick was okay well I think in that situation you literally you don't have a choice but to adapt that mentality like you can't think any other way otherwise you won't be able to get through it you literally did that the entire time through everything that came your way um you were so positive and yeah I think when you're so vulnerable like you were on the operating table and your baby does get taken over there, which happens for a cesarean anyway, Mm -hmm. but in an emergency, everything is heightened. Everyone's emotions are heightened. The the atmosphere is heightened as well um, in the actual operating suite. So you laying there, you can't do anything. You see your baby, lots of people come to your baby. Um, It's it's scary. It's Mm -hmm. really scary. And did she need some recess? Yeah. Yeah, she did. Now, luckily, I think it it wasn't very long. She did. She did um, let out a little cry. I didn't hear it, though, but the doctor pointed it out that it's okay. And then, yeah, just to hear that she had started breathing, like had kind of come around. But yeah, it was just very scary those those first. And time goes so slow. It goes so slow. A second feels like an hour. You're yeah. like, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. But no, you. it's a very scary situation for anyone. And you, by the sounds of it, you guys handled it incredibly well. And then did she come onto your chest or did she have to get transferred? Yeah, she had because she wasn't breathing so well. So that was one of the things I had said to the doctor that I was really keen to have skin to skin because – um, I guess the other thing with her being resuscitated, we didn't get to do delayed um, cord clamping cord, yeah. either. Um, and I really wanted to do the skin to skin. Um, but yeah, she had to be whisked away um, because she did require that that monitoring um, because she did have some respiratory distress. And go to a tertiary hospital. Yeah, so risk, yeah. She, she was taken up to special care in that hospital. Um, and just luckily... While they were waiting for my transfer and her transfer, they wheeled me into this little room <laughs> trying to maneuver yeah. everything and have the bed. But at least I got to see her. But, yeah, it was horrible yeah. not being able to do, like, that proper contact, especially because she'd been, you know, kind of ripped from her, what she knew as yeah. home. That's what mum says. Yeah. I was the petrified new dad who was panicking about holding a new child, so I was okay to wait a day or two. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a dad's perspective. That's a dad's perspective, isn't it? Um, And Connor, what did you do? You, I'm going to assume that you went with Scarlett. So, I was with Scarlett after Nick was still in recovery. 
Um, I was just spending time in the room with Scarlett, yeah, and waiting for Nick to get up there to spend a little bit of time with the little one. That was that was my job. Yeah. And did that make you feel a little bit better knowing that Connor was with her? Yeah, definitely that somebody was with her, um, like one of the two of us. Uh, so, yeah, I was more than happy for him to go up with her rather than stay with me. And then so she got transferred out to a bigger hospital and how long until you got to follow her or did you go first? Yeah, so I actually ended up, it just it was just the way it worked with the ambulances and, and the patient transfer. So I, because she needed a special transfer, I was actually sent out probably an hour after being stitched up. Um, and Connor had left then because we obviously didn't have anything with us. So he went home to drop the car home to then pick up some things and come to the hospital. And um, Scarlett's transfer was delayed. So she didn't actually end up coming until early the next morning. I think it was like maybe nine, nine or ten. So it was about nine hours later. I don't normally remember dates, Mon, but uh, I remember all <laughs> the times and dates over that period. That was like a whole Yeah. Mm. So that was that yeah. was kind of horrible as well because yeah. we were at the big hospital and I was kind of calling every hour. I'd w- wake up because we were so exhausted as well. But I'd be calling to see, you know, because I didn't even know in what condition she was in or anything at that stage because the last time we'd seen her, she was in a lot of respiratory distress, like she was working yeah. double time to breathe. So. And you hadn't even like you hadn't got to really cuddle her. No, all no. those all those things that you I guess envisioned yeah. when having her yeah. they got taken away from you. Yeah. Yeah. The, the skin to skin one particularly I think I find really hard because, you know, she wasn't really held until um, yeah. you know, after lunch the next day when we were allowed to hold her. So it was just a long yeah. time for her not to be cuddled. Yeah, I know. It's and it's so tough and when those transfers get delayed as well, um, it makes it even harder. But babies who are struggling to breathe sometimes they can't be cuddled and yeah. touched because it can make it worse as well, which is really hard. Yeah. But knowing that you've now beaten her to a hospital that she's going to and she's left behind mm. for how long? Nine hours, that's another hurdle that you would have had to overcome Mm -hmm. and and I'm sure that you both adapted that mentality once again like she's going to be okay she's coming like we've just these hours feel like days but we've just got to get through them and that's all that we can do yeah yeah and then she finally came to the hospital and talk us through your recovery yeah so that first day so I guess we we were just exhausted because we didn't really sleep the overnight waiting for her to come and then during the day and I think all the medication and things like that um we were just yeah exhausted the adrenaline so we did get to see her that morning but yeah she was in respiratory distress still um so they didn't want to take her out of the isolate that morning so I think it was the afternoon before we got to to hold her and yeah as I say we were just exhausted so we had some naps at different times that day and I lots of naps lots of naps but I I, <laughs> I started to develop a really bad headache and just thought it was the stress of everything and probably dehydration was really thirsty wasn't feeling great but I can't imagine many people come out of that and feel amazing so 
And yeah, was, you just thought it was normal. Yeah, just it was really sore. Like obviously, um, kind of everywhere. I wasn't really able to. Uh, well, you just had a massive, massive surgery. Don't underestimate that surgery as well. That yeah. anything that you were feeling was like, oh, like this just must be normal. Yeah, to do to do with that. So, um, had a, a okay sleep that night. Like just because just from the exhaustion and, and a lot of medication. Um, but I think then the next day the headache was just still there and it would, you know, I was struggling to, I couldn't walk to the toilet, you know, and just thought it was to do with the pain um, from, from the cesarean. But, and my head would be banging, 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 like the worst hangover that you ever have when you wake <laughs> up and you're really, really thirsty. And it's just like somebody has a, like a jackhammer on your head. Um well, those days are behind you now. No, so. yeah, well, well behind me. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, just this really bad headache. And then we were going down to visit her. This was the Monday now. And I would make it down and I, um, I'd be there for, like, 20 minutes. And I'd just get this, like, cold sweat and I'd be really overheated. And I'm, I'm going around the hospital in, like, a, a button-up nighty shirt. Like I have not a lot of clothes on, not very appropriate for being in public, but, and then I'm just like, it comes over me and I have to vomit and like, I'm catching it with my hands. Sometimes we get paper towels in time or like a book, <laughs> something to catch it. But, um, you know, it's not, not great being in the NICU where there's, you know, babies that are, that are not, um, well and, and their, their families. So, um, no, yeah. I, I know that. I know that feeling when you need to vomit and yeah. take me back to, <laughs> takes me to, to my drinking days yeah. of now. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're not behind me yet. Plenty yeah. of more of them to come. But the headache that you're talking about, can you explain? Do you understand what it was? Or Yes. So a really fantastic midwife picked up on, uh, superhero. <laughs> yeah, superhero midwife picked up on, um, what was going on um, with the headache um, and the vomiting and turned out that I had a, a dural puncture as a side effect from the spinal injection. So just really unlucky happens to, I think, yeah. one in 500, is it? Yeah, it can be up to one in 500, yes. What do you know that, Monique? It's nearly like you're the person who figured that out for us. <laughs> it's like I know my job or something. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, so um, it, it was just a result of my cerebrospinal fluid leaking from that puncture, and so it was causing the headaches. And basically, any time that I was elevated, so sitting up in bed or trying to stand, trying to walk, I would just get the most intense migraine headache. Um, yeah. Couldn't have lights on, um, and and yeah, if I did try to go down to see Scarlett. I'd be lucky to make it there before vomiting. It, it it got worse as time went on. Yeah, I think for me, um, I had the pleasure of looking after these two lovely people. And I didn't get to look after Scarlett, but I feel like I looked after her too. Oh, yes. Um, and poor, poor Nicola. She, oh, yes, we are talking about you, Scarlett. <laughs> She's like, I'm sorry, Mum. <laughs> so poor Nicola, she developed this really bad headache and I remember coming onto the shift and all you wanted to do was see your baby and I was like, yeah, yep, let's go there and you would go and see her and then <laughs> you'd come back and or Connor would come to me with the vomit bucket and be like, 
moment and I was like, what? And then I was like, you literally were there. I've just given you like anti-emetic, so anti-nausea stuff and you've just come back vomiting. Mm. And then I was like, this isn't, you know, this isn't quite right. It's not fitting the mould. And anyway, yes, we ended up having the complication from the epidural and, yeah, so poor Nicola, she literally could not get out of bed, couldn't lift her head, sensitive to lights, Mm. all of that. Like it, you, were, I don't think you actually realize what a debilitating complication it was for you. Like mm. it's a lot to, and especially when you've already processed all of those feelings about wanting to be with Scarlett, then you just get hit with this, which yeah. is another barrier to going and seeing her. Mm. And you get so close, and you get there, and you would push yourself to the limit, and then. <laughs> to the limit of vomiting in your hands, so to speak, um, you would literally push yourself all that way and you'd come back in like 15 minutes and like, I cannot do this. My pain is so bad. Mm. And, yeah, let's add to that you would go over there in a blindfold yeah. because yeah. I about that. <laughs> we Connor would be wheelchairing <laughs> you. <laughs> but, yeah, you literally could not, you were not, you were so sensitive to the light. Yeah. You couldn't lift your head. Yeah. No pain relief did not yeah. help you. Um, and, yeah, then once we got through that, we had blood patch, which yeah. a blood patch is the reversal of a dural headache. Yeah. So basically they get your blood out and put it back into that space to try and correct the balance yeah. and plug the hole so that it stops. And it worked. Yes, thank goodness. Thank God. Yeah, yeah. so so thankful. It worked. And then oh. talk me oh. through feeling like a new woman after that. Oh, yeah. So it, it's funny because, they, you know, they tell you that it might not work and you might have to have it a second time. And it's, it's not a very pleasant procedure to go through because, you know, you're getting an injection into your back, um, into your spine area again. Um, and then you have to lie flat. And not move for two hours so you have this two hours where you're like is it has it worked has it not worked has it worked and you're not allowed to move because that might impair the you know um the effectiveness of it um and so then the two hours come and you're like can i stand <laughs> so i was literally like right get me in that wheelchair i'm going now i'm trying it so we did yeah and it was a lot better um you do get like a side effect of that um blood patches that you get bad back pain and I did have really bad back pain. Like, I think I probably should have waited um, for for the lovely midwife to come back and, and give me some painkillers <laughs> before I went down. But I was just so, uh, like, I just really wanted to get down. So, um, time, And then finally got over there and you didn't come back vomiting. And I think we yeah. stayed there for, like, two hours or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. There's lots of cuddles that my wants to make up for, wasn't yeah. there? Yeah. And how was how was that feeling when you finally actually felt somewhat you again, yeah. having your little girl on your chest? Yeah, no, it was lovely. Like, because you just, it was just the guilt of, um, you know, especially because she'd had such a rocky start and then she didn't get to have that bonding time when she, you know, was doing a bit better and didn't have the breathing support on. So we could do a little bit more of, of skin to skin, but, you know, I wasn't able to. Um, yeah it was just it was very special to be able to 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 have that time then and just to to get to know her a bit more 
Yeah, definitely. And Connor, for you, I watched you firsthand. You were incredible. You know, it's it's for you, you probably felt like you had to be strong all the time because you haven't gone through the physical stuff that Nicola has, but you also need to support her and support little Scarlett too. So what what was going through your head in especially like we touched on it during the delivery, but the postnatal stuff with those complications, like it was very hard for you and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were starting a new job. Um, you were dealing with that too because we just wanted to add another spanner in the works for you. Yeah. Talk us through that. I think you're right in the respect that I did just get on with it. and it, Work were really good and I know not every workplace in Australia or globally that's the case, but I had a really supportive workplace who were, I was wanting to go in because it was new or I was working from home and they were like, take time. Like, What do you want about? Your family comes first. Stop panicking. So workplaces like that today are exceptional and allowing me to then focus on my wife and daughter. Um, a lot of takeaway food was eaten in that time. <laughs> I'm not much of a cook. Um, so, yeah, you, you just I think you just go into a certain mode where you get on with it and you don't even think about what's going on. And you're, you're, I was secondary to it, your wife and your kids come first. So just making sure they were okay. Once it, knowing they were okay, I knew I was okay. Yeah, but I think it's such an important topic because it definitely doesn't get spoken up, spoken about enough. Like yeah. when, because you have to take on so much, and to us, especially in hospital, you know, we we care about you, but you're not our priority. <laughs> so you sort yeah. of do get shoved to the side, yeah. um, and it it's scary for you. But you, and especially the stereotype of men having to be strong and hold it together as well doesn't help. Like I'm sure behind closed doors there was a little bit of a different story but whenever you were around Nicola that you knew that you had to be her strength and you definitely did that I mean I know I said I knew everything was going to be all right with Scarlett but still she was premature and that night I hadn't slept and we didn't even tell our parents I I came home and told my parents I'd had no sleep and I just burst out crying to my dad on the phone and he was like what's up Mm. and I was just like she's prem like and uh, my mum's a nurse in the women's in, in England, Liverpool, and uh, he put air on because, as men do, they don't want to deal too much with that. So he just put my mum on to a crying son. And uh, she yeah. she seen a picture and she was like, what, what are you crying about? And that reassurance just helped. So, yes, I come across saying that I got on with things, but, yeah, there were certainly some moments where I had a little, uh, a little cry along the way. When he... Yeah, well, that's important. I mean, if you didn't, you wouldn't be human. So... Yeah. It's your two loves of your life and it's so much unexpected. You've just had to like deal with it and there's yeah. no there's no other choice and especially seeing Nicola in so much pain. Like honestly, Nicola, I cannot explain to you how incredible you are. <laughs> I mean, you in this time, you still had to feed your baby. You still, that's what people forget. Like you still have to be this milk factory. Mm, like yeah. you were sick yourself but you had to still pump you were still you didn't you didn't have to but mm. the person that you are you were still pumping every three hours mm. and that you couldn't even sit upright but you were doing it just for her which you put her before you again which mm. I know everyone will do but honestly you were amazing and talk us through your feeding journey I know that you could have fed the whole ward at that point <laughs> <laughs> oh no well and that 
that was something I was quite worried about because I know that I kind of ticked every box for late milk coming in um, yes. with, it be, with her being prim and um, it being a cesarean. And also I have polycystic ovary. So I think that kind of ticked, ticked all the boxes. Um, but, uh, and I, I was, you know, I was a bit nervous about breastfeeding as well that, um, that I wouldn't be able to do it. But it was just, it really was the support that I received while I was at the hospital that, mm. that got it going because um, uh, the first time that we tried to exp- hand express colostrum, um, mm. that myself and Connor, and, and 40 minutes, and I think we got <laughs> not point not one mil, like so the tiniest amount. And then you come in, Mon, and like 15 minutes later, you have a full syringe. And I'm like, Oh, how did she do that? Because um, I was, I was yeah. feeling very defeated um, that we had spent so much time and on that. But I guess with with the feeding, like I felt, because I felt so much guilt in those first few days that that was mm. something that I could actually do from bed. Um, so you know, I, luckily I was able to do that lying down, and 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 the fact that the hospital had a great setup, had pumps there that we could do it. Um, at least I knew that I could could send something over to her. So was, well, we, yeah, we, I kept going down because obviously Nick couldn't go down, and the uh, the staff in the Deniku were just so impressed with the amount of milk coming in because it's it's not an easy thing to do. I did a bit of reading, and there's a lot of stigma that you have to breastfeed because of the benefits. Definitely, there's a lot of pressure yeah. on women, so yeah, it was a huge effort from you, Nick. So mm. fair play to you. I wouldn't like to do it. <laughs> no, I saw you trying, but I was like, <laughs> not gonna, <laughs> it's not going to work. No. Uh, <laughs> but no, honestly, and you had never known how to use a pump. You mm. hadn't known how to express. Yeah. You're sleep deprived. You have so much going on and you just, you did it. And yes, it it's much quicker and easier for me because I do that every single day at work. But for you guys, I give you a syringe or a cup and you're like, uh, I just know that this is a nipple. What else do I do? You know, like you just don't know. No, no, but it was definitely the support to help to get it going because, yeah, I probably would have given up pretty easily because I just didn't think it was going to work. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and the energy that you were using to do it, you already were depleted yeah. yourself. How long was little Scarlet in special care for? Yeah, so we were yeah. both together in the hospital for over four days. Course. Yeah, so um, yeah, I guess it's just over four days. Uh, then Scarlett was when I was discharged after the blood patch worked. Um, uh, Scarlett was transferred back to the hospital that she was born in um, for special care there. Um, so she was in special care there then for eleven days. Yeah. She came on leaps and bounds, yeah. Yeah, so she was doing really well. I think at that stage, you know, her breathing was a lot better. It was really just about getting her weight gain and, and transitioning to oral feeding um, because she was being um, tube fed at that stage. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just uh, the focus was really around um, establishing um, the breastfeeding. The breastfeeding. The oral, yeah, feed, the oral yeah. feed. Yeah, so, um, and we had fantastic support there. Um, you know, to establish that uh, breastfeeding because I had been pumping but hadn't had a lot of opportunity um, to actually 
try breastfeeding. Feed her, yeah. 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 And obviously you knew that she was prem and she was probably going to have to stay in the special care for a little while. Mm. But given everything that you went through and being, I guess, her taken away from you very quickly Mm. and Mm. having that time apart, how did you feel having to go home and not being able to be there all the time? Like this is just another whole thing that you had to add and deal with. That transition was really hard. I remember because that day I was in the hospital for a number of hours by myself with Connor, finished off work and then come in. And, you know, I always called it crying behind the curtains because I was just there holding her, but just crying because I think the transition, you kind of, you're so in the moment and then something happens and you transition to this new setting and you have to get, try to get used to that. And that night going home was horrible because yeah. I was, when I was in the hospital, you know, either Connor was able to go and visit her at night or after. She's just down the corridor. Yeah. Now she was a good 25 minutes drive away. So you just couldn't do that. Yeah. yeah. And you- you, you feel, like I know looking after women who have babies in the nursery, they feel like the nurses and midwives looking after their baby are getting, like they're getting more time with them than mm. they are themselves yeah. and that's like it may not be the case but that's just how they feel because they can't be there and care for their baby yeah. all the time. Yeah, it just feels horrible that, you know, if she cries that she doesn't have her mum or dad to, you know, yeah. to go and cuddle her or um comforter and things like that so yeah that took a lot of getting used to it. like the staff were fantastic and you know we, I never doubted the care that she yeah, received there hands, yeah. she was from um, start to fit and just I know we can come back but you said what got me through and I think the staff from start to finish across both hospitals knowing that your child and your wife were in such good hands I think made life a lot easier so you, you say that being away from it was difficult but at the same time she was in really good hands back in yeah. the second hospital where she was transferred back to. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that, Nick? Or? Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, it just, yeah, I guess you just got the guilt. So I used to just cry every night when we'd be coming home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Certain songs, no slow songs were allowed on the radio. <laughs> many tears were thought for oh, I can't play any songs. Yeah, so, yeah, I know, I know. It plays on your emotions <laughs> yeah. when you're like a bit emotionally labile anyway. I'm I'm just about getting around to, to the radio again, but um... Smooth FM was a no no because it has too many slowies on there. Many... <laughs> yeah, we don't listen to that. <laughs> um but then finally she's kicking goals, she's passing all of her little checks before she can be discharged. Yeah. And she gets discharged, what when they said, Oh, you know, she probably can go home tomorrow or the next day, what were your thoughts? We didn't have anything ready again. <laughs> no, well, at that stage, at that stage, we we had we had just got our car seat like fitted, and um, we knew that it was going to be in the next week, but we weren't sure. So, um, I, I think we were delighted as well. Look, could you you get to speak to other parents with kids in there, and people have been in there for six weeks, so you, you just realise how lucky mm. you are in that sense, and. How yeah. tough people have it, it makes you really open your eyes. So we, we were just elated that we could get out and yeah. Yeah, start to live our lives with it. So yeah, we were yeah. delighted. It's it's scary, but obviously you're so happy to have them home. But then it it starts that new stage again, and you have to get you have to transition and and get used to that new stage again. So it like yeah. it's like a whole it's like having her again. Like mm. you you got to get used to what it's like at night time because you haven't yeah. been there for all of the night times. No. It's it's scary. And when someone sort of like held your hand all the way, yes, 
once you get home, you're like, how how do I do this? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You don't have that fallback, you know, where you can just like, sorry, can I ask? Uh, is this yeah. normal? Yeah. Exactly. You can drive yourself it's crazy. Almost scarier. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a whole new routine. Yeah. And I think because she was prem as well, you have like this added health anxiety for her that, you know, um, she, she's a bit more, you, you feel like she's a bit more fragile than you, than your average newborn. So you're yeah. like extra conscious um, if there's anything that seems anyway abnormal. Yeah, for sure. But now she's doing amazing. <laughs> she's, and you're feeding still, breastfeeding, bottle feeding, yeah. expressing yeah. any formula, what's the go? Yeah, so we're we're doing a mixture of expressed bottle feeds and breastfeeding because I think while we're still trying to get her weight up, breastfeeding is still more tiring for her than than taking the expressed breast yeah. milk from the bottle. So and I think also yeah. it, it also means that Connor can be involved in her feeding time. Um yeah. so that's been nice and it's taken a bit of pressure off me yeah. too to be the exclusive feeder you know um so i think it's 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 worked well for us well it's working well for her because she's gaining all that weight (laughs) so you guys are superstars given everything that's happened if you you're probably still processing everything um but looking back on your whole experience Mm. how does it make you feel yeah, I think um, like I'm getting a bit better talking about it. I think I find it very difficult in the beginning to talk about We've it. We've both got I, our tissues yeah, next yeah, to yeah. us. <laughs> to, not, to not cry um, all of the time. So uh, I think just trying to focus on being grateful that she's here and she's okay. Yeah. Like I think you have to try not to focus on all. Uh, it could be easy to be like, why did that happen to me? Like why I didn't, you know, I was low risk uh you know I'm healthy all of this and it, not to dwell on that part of it but dwell on you know being grateful that that she did survive mm-hmm. um and that she is here and that she's doing well and you know that we're doing well I think that's that's what I try to to think on I think you can torture yourself as a mother especially um Nick was like well what's gone wrong what have I done wrong but you, you look at the positives not not all parents or mothers would pick up on the lack of kicking and go to hospital. So I know, it, it, yeah, it's reframing the negatives as positives because there, there's so there is no negatives, but it is looking at the positives in the situation, and I think that's I think that's where we've come through. Mm. Is that right? Yeah, and I think like it sounds like rather than looking at everything as one, yeah. you're able to like now break it down a little bit more mm. and look and find those positives That's rather true. than just relate it back to being a whole trauma. Mm. This is also another reason why I want to do what I'm doing is because it's okay to speak about it and it's okay yeah. to feel like everything that you are both feeling is validated and you can cry whenever you want. Anyone who goes through what you've gone through, both of you would feel the exact same. So that's yeah. what I'm trying to do is just make this more normal because yeah. what honestly what you went through is frightening yeah. and like you've gone through a lot but now you've come out the other side and it's only going to make you stronger and better um, yeah. and yeah but you ultimately saved like a placental abruption is a very very serious thing yeah. and you using your instinct saved both your life and little Scarlett's life yeah. and you'll 
you always hold on to that. Mm. Yeah, it's hard. I think still it's it's hard to think of it like that. But um, yeah, just... I, I would agree with you. I think and the big thing from this is mother's intuition is huge. I think then once Nick realized that the baby wasn't kicking mother's intuition, I, th- I think that's a huge thing to trust that. Definitely. But I think lots of people that listen to this who have found themselves with a baby who's been transferred out or who's in special care, they will be so grateful for everything that you've said. And also even by like your comment just before is right now you still can't see it as that and you're still processing all mm-hmm. of these these feelings and that's okay and it's going to take time and you shouldn't put pressure on yourself to be okay by a certain point because that's just not it's not how it works like everyone deals with things differently Mm. but by trying to be this person that's fully comfortable with everything that's happened it's just not going to get you where you need to be so dealing with that and validating your emotions and you know Connor is amazing and I'm sure that he support you a lot yeah. but you too I know you don't feel it <laughs> by kind of wearing a, a woman's headband which is also so fine um my friends but will you... be listening to this podcast Monique that's all I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> you guys are actually incredible you're phenomenal that's you. for sure you should be so proud of how you've handled everything I can't give you any more kudos because you won't be able to fit through the door <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And look, I know we've said it and I know you're very modest about it, but we just appreciate your help and everyone in the hospital, both hospitals, were outstanding. Mm. So thank you again. To summarise this episode, a few key messages are Number one, to trust your gut and follow your maternal instinct. You know your baby better than anyone else. And if you don't think something is right, go and get it checked. Your healthcare providers will never tell you you're silly for doing so. Number two, Sometimes things do not go the way we had planned and envisioned for our birth, and it is okay to have mixed emotions about it. Number three, when you are separated from your baby, it can be extremely tough for both you and your partner. Lean on your supports from the hospital as much as you can. That's what we're here for. Number four, transitioning from the special care nursery to home comes with its challenges, and it's okay to feel overwhelmed, but just know so many other mums feel the exact same. You've got this. And last but not least, number five. Even once being settled in at home, you may still be shocked by your birth experience, and that's okay. But please know that support is always out there if you feel you need it. Hospitals offer their own birth debriefs, as well as there being other incredible supports, which will be listed in the show notes below. Thank you for listening to today's episode of MIDI. Your support means the absolute world to me. So if you loved this episode and want to stay up to date with the latest interviews and midwifery education, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For further information about this episode, please check the show notes below. If you wish to share your pregnancy and motherhood experience, you can get in touch with me by emailing hello at themidisociety.com.au and find us on Instagram at at themidisociety or at Monique underscore Maitland. I cannot wait for you to join me next week. I'll be talking all things flap chat. In the meantime, I hope you have an amazing week and remember you're doing the best you can. La, la, la.